Welcome back, everybody. This is Elaine Janelle, and it's another episode of Renewed Talk. another episode of Renewed Talk. It is our 20th episode and I am here today with Mr. Jarmel Evans and Miss Melody Holman. Our topic for today is can worship in racism? And the opening song you actually heard was from um, Jarmel Evans, Minister Jarmel Evans and his um, ministry Worship Forever. So I want to share our theme scripture and a little bit about our topic before we get into the conversation with our guest. Um, our theme scripture comes from John 10, 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So there are many sheep and there are different pens. And yet we are all one listens to one flock and one sh- we're all one flock and we listen to one shepherd that is God. So I want to talk about um, how is it that worship can re- end racism on tonight. And in Preparing for this episode, I want to share with you all a clip from Dr. Judy Judith McAllister, who um, is the president of the International Music Department of Church God in Christ and the founder of Never Ending Worship. And there's a clip that she shared some years ago. It's on YouTube. And I wanted to share with everyone to know um, how I've kind of gotten to this idea or this concept of worship ending racism. But what? that God gets us to get into, to go to worship, that it doesn't become a black or white thing. You see, praise is cultural, but worship is spiritual. to worship. That's why I firmly believe, people of God, that worship is the answer to racism. Because if praise is cultural, every culture has its way of praising God. But when we get to worship, 
So how do you feel about that? There is no color in worship. We're going to discuss some of that tonight. But before we do, I need to do two things. First, our future brand for tonight, I want to shout that out, is Glory Camp, founded by Miss Jewel Strutter, who is my other half of Admin Agency. And based out of Philadelphia, PA, they get together, um, and it's a formulation of people coming from different cultures, different backgrounds, um, unifying themselves in worship in different arts and different creative ways. If you want to learn more about Glory Camp or want to check it out or find out when the next Glory Camp will be, visit them at theglorycamp at yahoo.com. Also, we have new music coming your way from Maurice Griffin. He has a single out called Judah, and that is what I'm about to play before we get into our conversation with Minister Jarmel Evans and Melody Holman. So keep it locked right here at Renew Talk. You can check us out on iTunes, FM Player, and SoundCloud. Yeah. 
I have Melody here and Jermel here. If they both can say hello to the people. Hold on, people. <laughs> hello, people. <laughs> and we are here to talk about two specific areas, and that is worship and racism tonight. Um, something you probably don't hear about often being mentioned in the same conversation. But we're going to do with it tonight, and we're going to talk about some interesting things that come along with it. So I hope that everyone enjoys the conversation tonight. So... With that being said, what I want to get started with, I want to um, ask, I'm going to start with ladies first. Melody, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself and Jarmel to introduce yourself as well. Okay. Um, my name is Melody Holman. Um, I am from Rock Hill, South Carolina. It's a city about 20 minutes south of Charlotte, North Carolina. We're right there on the border. And um, I've been a worship leader for about 20 years. Um, I know I look young but I'm a young 40 and um so ever since you know when I when I you know received Christ as my savior um had one of my mentors to pour into me about the area of worship and and just have studied it extensively you know throughout my my walk with Jesus and also you know being a worship leader in church and um I serve currently at a ministry in Indian Land South Carolina at Transformation Church the pastor is Derwin Gray and um, KJ Scriven is our music director there. Cool. And um, so it's so funny that you asked me to be a part of this because our church really um, hones in on this subject. We, um, if you read our vision statement or wow. ever have a chance to go to our website, um, you'll see a lot about the multi-ethnic, multicultural mission-shaped community, and uh, we really focus on that, and you'll hear it, hear it a lot, and I'm just really happy you invited me to be a part. Thank you for having me tonight. Oh, no problem, and Jarmel, you can tell them about yourself as well. What's going on, everybody? I'm Jarmel Evans. I'm from Washington, D.C. I've always been from Washington, D.C. <laughs> I love in D.C. with all of my heart. Um, I've been a worship leader for 20-plus years as well. It's been an incredible journey. Uh, I would not change one moment, one encounter that I've ever had with the Lord. I'm currently leading worship here in D.C. Um, at more than one church, and I am enjoying uh, just kind of like traveling the country also for I am a worship artist. I have a group called uh, Jarmel Evans and Worship Forever. We have been established now for well over 10 years, uh, and we've traveled the country extensively, and the Lord just started opening up international doors for us. So I'm very, very excited about what the Lord uh, is doing. Got a lot of great things coming up, but tonight we're talking about worship and racism, so we'll get into that another day. <laughs> well, at the end of the show, I do want you to let us know of anything that you're doing lately. Um, I'm big on plugins. I'm big on supporting our own. And I think oh, all of y'all know that. So, um, of course, if anybody doesn't know, the person you cannot see is me right here because I'm multitasking. I'm doing very lot. I am live on Instagram because I could not be live on YouTube. Yes, I, we're going to be powerful tonight because in spite of everything that's going on, we're going to have this renewed talk live episode. So I'm Elaine Janelle, hailing from Philly, but now out of D.C. And we're going to keep this rolling. So, um... <laughs> so we're gonna keep this rolling. So what the I'm gonna tell you the straight up y'all the real reason why I decided to do this episode was because of um hearing the hearing 
Judy McAllister say that worship can end racism. And when I saw the video, and the video was on YouTube, um, and when I saw the video on YouTube, I was just like, oh, this is great. And it's an extensive video that people can check out. I'll make sure I have the link available when I do the full show. I'll try to put a clip in there. But um, it was interesting how she just began to talk about how if people... Actually, I'm going to take the line verbatim. She said, I, she said, that's why I firmly believe that worship is the answer to racism. And with her talking about it, she was talking about that worship takes you to a place where all the basically the concerns and the minute cares that we have personally in the flesh, they disappear in worship. When we really get to that level in God, it becomes minute. It becomes unrelevant. It becomes not necessary. And so when I heard her talk about that, I was just like, I think this is something that all worshipers should talk about. And the three of us happen to be worshipers and also worship leaders, because I mean, I like to differentiate a little bit because people think if you're a worship leader, then you're a worshiper. And we would hope so. <laughs> we would hope so. But the truth of the matter is you don't have to be a leader to be, you don't have to be a worship leader to be a worshiper. It's all about your heart. So with her to sharing that, I just wanted to hear your take on it. So before I even dive deep into worship and racism, I just want to hear some of your own personal experiences. If you've had any personal experiences with racism, um, you know, in your lifetime and growing up or even in adulthood and whoever wants to go first can go first. We can go start with Melody or Jamel. It doesn't matter. Go ahead, Jarmel. I know you're trying to be ladies first, but you go ahead, sir. Uh, well, um, I just think in my life, uh, I, I really want to say that, unfortunately, I really don't have any things that I can really pinpoint where I felt like, you know, racism was kind of like uh, pointing in my direction. Mm-hmm. I think I'm less affected by the things that go on culturally uh, for us. Uh, I think I've never really kind of been in a position or I've never been in a place where it could kind of like um, directly affect me. But of course, because I'm an African-American young man, I'm so affected by all the things that, of course, have gone on with the the police brutality and different things like that. But I I pretty much like had a cool life when it came down um, to that situation. I, I can't say that I've ever had. Uh, racism, racism to affect me directly mm-hmm. um, in that manner. I've never been called, you know, out of you know my name or anything like that. Although, as much as you guys may think this is kind of like not um, relevant for today, I think it's because I passed the paper bag test. Um, gotcha. I think because not like a darker skinned, you know, African American guy, I'm not as hard to approach um you know i my uncle always told me to dress how i want to be addressed mm-hmm. so i never really you know i'm not a hoodie kind of guy you know that kind of thing like that so um just in stature and build i'm not as intimidating um and then you know of course when i approach the counter at starbucks because i go there religiously you know <laughs> as much as i go to church um you know caramel macchiato tall with <laughs> You know, that's my drink, you know, so, you know, unfortunately, I've always, you know, you know, I speak with proper grammar. So I've just never really experienced that in my life firsthand. Yeah. Melody, you can share. And I know people probably like, well, how am I going to ask her? Do tell. Well, you know, 
I've seen racism in a lot of different forms. Being from the South, um, somewhat considered deep South. I mean, South Carolina, hello. But Mm -hmm. um, I've seen it against a lot of different communities, um, the Latino community, the Asian community, certainly the African-American community. I mean, we've seen um, rioting here in Charlotte, North Carolina, you guys know, um, we've had a lot going on in Charlotte, North Carolina. And um, so I, you know, as far as me being directed or it being directed at me, I mean, it, it certainly does break my heart for the people that do experience it firsthand. So I, I, I can't say I, I could never say that I can under, fully understand mm-hmm. and identify with the African-American experience as much as I, you know, am around people that are very diverse culturally, you know, just, you just, you just can't really say that. But um, how I've been directly is, is uh, affected is um, even in the church setting, um, my spiritual mom and mentor, Apostle Norma Gray um, is an African-American woman. My family really, despised my relationship um, with with the church and with her directly, particularly my mother. And, uh, you know, because she was, you know, sometimes, you know, people have the testimony of your church family, you know, you're closer to them than sometimes your real family. So there was that. And then, you know, particularly being someone that a lot of times I was kind of the minority, which I'm not saying I relate to minorities. Please nobody (laughs) take that in any disrespectful way. But um, me being like the only white person sometimes in a predominantly um, black church setting, you know, what's well, so what's you know what's all oh, this cute the white girl, you know, what's she gonna do or, you know, if I get up to sing or lead worship or however, and um, you know, and uh, so I, I've I've experienced that end of it. But um, one thing that it is has taught me is um, you know, never judge a book by its cover, and. Um, you know, and I can go into just about, you know, because of those experiences, I feel that the Lord is, has seasoned me and graced me to really go into any kind of setting and be effective, gotcha. um, you know, because of those experiences that, that I've had. So mm-hmm. that's just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but. Um, no, you're doing great. Oh, thank you. But, um, but that's just some of the things that I, that I have experienced, you know, particularly being a, you know, a singer and in the music community and in right. the gospel music community and particularly someone that is familiarized with, you know, urban gospel and praise and worship and all the different genres that we have now, praise and worship. Um, so, you know, you, you do get the judgment. I get the stares, you know, you know, kind of thing, but, um, but it's okay. You know, I don't, I don't mind. Um, I've, I've learned to just walk in love, you know, and love is really the thing that I think Dr. McAllister was, you know, hinting on and what she's saying and how Jesus taught us to overcome um, our prejudices. So. Gotcha. And I'm glad you actually mentioned it because I was like, I want, I was like, I hope Melody says something about it because of the fact that, um, so my only account really with racism I haven't had a dealt directly towards me, just like Jarmel was talking about. And I am the darker paper bag. Like, you know, 
if it was, you know, the Bessie movie all over again, I probably would have passed the test because she was looking for dark-skinned women. So, <laughs> so, but in elementary school, actually middle school, it was two white kids that came to my school. My school was predominantly black in West Philadelphia. And the two white kids, I was cool with them. I think one of the girls' name was Sarah. And all of a sudden, they stopped coming to the school. And I had to, like, start asking questions. I'm asking teachers questions. I'm asking my mother, like, do you know what happened to the two white kids? And they was like, they were being bullied mm-hmm. by kids in the school. And my middle school was small. It was only two classes per level. So it was two six, two seven, two seven eighth grade classes. But we were attached to the elementary school. And they were bullied from elementary school kids and middle school kids just because it was two white people who were in a predominantly black school. And so I think it keeps going back and forth. Um, I do believe in white privilege. I do believe in all of those aspects. But I think that when it gets into the aspect of the black community, the black people naturally, usually are so defensive instead of trying to have a conversation or trying to teach their children how to have a conversation. We just get, and kids can be mean. We just get people to throw back at people immediately. Um, and I was hurt by that. I came home and cried. I was like, they didn't do anything wrong. They were nice people. <laughs> Cause right, I was like, right. 10, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, that didn't cause, like none of us were ever called names. And so to cause that situation showed it for me in a different dynamic of, instead of it generally being with the African American or the minority in the country, considered minority in the country was being treated as such. It was flipped. And they did become the minority in that situation. So it's interesting. I'm glad you shared that, Melody. Um, because I think people need to be awakened to that and stop being awkward. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Some, people can't, some people can't help being awkward, but just be conscious. Right. <laughs> well, definitely. Our, um, our ministry um, that we're in is, is uh, very diverse. And there is, um, I don't know if it's a term or if it's an actual, it's called cultural competency. Mm-hmm. And... And that's that's for you know, like you said, the white the white privilege and the different things, um, how we've how we've tried to dissect and understand racism. It's important for you know white white people to acknowledge white privilege that it is a thing, mm-hmm. you know, and to understand. I think it's at the end of the day, whether you're black or you're white or whatever end of the stick you're on as far as who the racism is being projected at. I think the heart of the matter is how each community responds to each other. Like you said, a lot of um, African-American people will get very defensive and white culture needs to understand why, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and they need to be able to handle that with grace and sensitivity and not come back and, you know, um, you know, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, you're not going to, you got to understand the layers and the depth of mm-hmm. the pain right. that this community has endured. And we're not that many years and uh, decades removed from segregation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and these things that are, are real, and there are still generations that are alive and among us today that were there right. and that were, in, you know, that experienced that. And I think that people need to educate themselves. I think a lot of it is just uh, blissful ignorance, mm-hmm. willful ignorance, um, you know, 
the Bible teaches us to consider, you know, consider one another or, you know, lift, um, consider your brother higher than yourself. If you're ever going to be able to effectively communicate and walk in love, I mean, it just has to be done. So, right. Go ahead, Jamar. I think it's important also for uh, people to kind of like just pay attention to what is. Um, I, I just, when I was younger, uh, I had brothers who were a part of, you know, kind of like the in crowd. So they did whatever the in crowd did. And I remember they used to kind of make T-shirts right on their shoes and their, you know, the size of their jeans, you know, the area where we lived. Mm -hmm. And ever quite kind of got the concept of that because I was like, if you go downtown, you actually don't own the block. (laughs) So, you know, and I never, it just never like it never registered to me how people don't understand that, you know, you don't own anything. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all here to experience this earth the way that it is, the way that God created it, the way that he made it. Right. The way he made it. So for me, I've always been a person that like I can embrace any culture. So I didn't treat you weird if you were Spanish. I didn't treat you weird right. if you were Indian, I didn't treat you weird. If, you know, but I think it was because since I was a young person, the concept of dealing with people in love because of the was reared in the things of Christ, you know, as far as the way that my mom, I did, I never saw color. You know, you. so even when I go into a worship experience, you know, as Melanie was saying, like, you know, when you have really been given, um, you know, or or been called to lead people into worship, and you accept that call. I don't see color. I only see encounter. Mm-hmm. So when I come in, I just want people to encounter God. I'm not, oh, this white people, so let me do all the CCM songs, or this is black people, so let me do the latest, you know, Tasha Cobb or, you know, Todd Delaney song that I hear on the radio. What's in my spirit to give away to God as a offering is what propels me in those moments. Okay. So a they don't even understand that to go inside. I think it's racist as a worship leader to go inside of a place and say, oh, because it's all white people, let me do a bunch of white songs. Like the songs that I hear on 91.9 or, or whatever the Christian station mm-hmm. is, instead of just leading people into an authentic place of worship, that even be, can become a separatist in the house of God. Right. So, you know, I think that's important for people to understand, too. Wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, God is giving you a place. He's giving you a position. You ought to walk that position out the way that you should, and you should walk it out in love, always. Definitely. Yes. If I if I could say something to mm-hmm. that, um, Elaine, what Jarmel said is so important and so key. And, you know, the heart of any worship experience, is it is all about, you know, our what we're what we're giving to God. I mean, it's it's vertical for sure. But in some instances, I, I like to say I think it is important to incorporate. Now your whole set list shouldn't be, you know, a CCM or tie, you know, whatever setting you're in. But I think there is something to be said for um, you know, incorporating um and bridging, so to speak you know, to bring people into, you know, where you are and to connect with them. Right. Sometimes it's okay, but it can be where if you're just one-sided, oh, I'm going to, uh, you know, an all-black church, so I'm going to, you know, sing, you know, all um, urban gospel is is wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it should, you know, just, you know, as long as we're making sure that we, you know, just keep it about Jesus. And right. definitely... 
you know, we don't want to leave the people behind. Because I know, like, if I go into an African-American setting, you don't want to sing something that's real wordy, hill song. They're not going to be able to connect with you. So sometimes it's almost have you have to, like, put a something out there to let them know that, or just to connect with them. I don't know if it's to let them know anything, but sometimes just to pull them into sometimes a familiar sound, just a little bit mm-hmm. can, 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 is something to be said for that. Sometimes it can be effective, but you don't stay there, I guess is what I'm saying. Is it? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. I completely agree. Um, I think that we, we fail sometimes at feeling like we know what a house deserves. Mm-hmm. What we give away inside of a house when we mount. And so like I'm in complete agreement with you. And sometimes we also will go into a place prejudging because it, yeah. I'm t- this is so good because what we do sometimes and people and and it's so crazy again, um, you know, that you would bring this up, Elaine, because as I'm thinking about it more, we don't even know that sometimes you can get up there leading worship from a place of racism. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm talking about because racism is steeped in judgment and feeling like, you know, a culture of people who, you know, that's one of the sides of it. And so that's sometimes true. Melody go into black churches feeling like if we sing a song with too many words, they're too dumb to comprehend it. Like it's too much. It's too heavy for them. So all we're going to sing is you deserve it, you deserve Because we know, oh, they're going to get it because if it's, if it's redundant, they're done. So, you know, for me, I'll take a Hillsong song. And I'm going to, what I would do probably is change, you know, the rhythm up so mm-hmm. that it feels urban to them. But I'm singing all those words because you're going to understand <laughs> who you're singing about. You're going to raise your level of competency to who Christ is and what, because the Lord does more than work it out. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, right. Jesus can't work. Okay, we got that. All right, now let's, let's mature, let's grow. But sometimes we can be in that racist, racist standpoint saying, oh, you know, the white people comprehend all the parts of God. That's why Hillsong can sing all those words. <laughs> but God, it's sad, but it's so it, true. It, it's so, it, it, but it's it, so it, true. This is real. This is real. Now that I'm yeah. thinking about it, it is very racist mm-hmm. because assuming that in the black church, you know, also back in the day, you know, Elaine, we couldn't read just the preacher. Mm-hmm. So the preacher was either the one who could either read because someone taught him to do so and he could translate the scriptures or he could retain what was told to him to, to regurgitate. To, right. Apply right. The That's good. Mm-hmm. So they would believe whatever he said. Say it. That's because, it. You know, they were English speaking people or were unlearned. This This is crazy. So this is blowing my mind right now. So. No, but it's you. You brought up something very, very factual, and it's something that it, Melody you said, and then Jarmel what you said. It ties into each other, um, being coherent of the place that you're going into. Because right, you when you mentioned the Hillsong songs, um, Melody, I was just about to be like, and if you meet Jarmel and you go where 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 he may worship, they will be like, yes. So you know, like, is <laughs> is it is being it's being prayerful. And then being mindful. It's like, the, it's build, really, that's why I said being conscious. It's being prayerful and being mindful and not just thinking that this is what it, sh- it should be. And it's funny, even in this, even though we're not talking about artists per se, but I, I've told the same things to people who are trying to, you know, 
grow their their artistry or grow their their uh, music um ministry. I'm like, do not you wrote I'm glad you're a songwriter. Please don't go to these people's churches singing all these new songs. Right. Grab their attention with something that may be a tad bit more relevant to the atmosphere. Maybe it is something they heard before. Maybe it's a song you're tired of singing, but you know it will still affect the atmosphere and then transcend into what you what God has given you. And even in worship, they have that has to happen as well. I'm glad that we're all worshipers, but because in a in a room, no matter where the people are from, everybody's at a different mindset, a different level. So you you have to gather the people. Like that's supposed to be the strength of a leader, of a worship leader, is to be able to gather the people and to bring them into one mindset, and then we move up together. And it's funny, Melody, because when you said leave the people, because some people leave people and they like in the third heaven, everybody's still on earth confused of what is transpiring. <laughs> <laughs> and as as worship leaders, we just can't keep doing this to people. This is rude. <laughs> it's rude. And I understand. I understand it may happen because it has happened to me once before. But there's a level. This can't be your thing every Sunday. Yeah, not every time. <laughs> Come on. So this, yeah, the aspect of a leader is to help take the people up. So with that being said, um, I also wanted to. Um, Ask a few. I have a few more personal yet transcendent questions that work into the worship area. Do you think? And it's funny because you said that, Jermel, that we come with the mindset of worship. Do uh-huh. you um, not with the mindset of worship? We should, but we also come with um, we come with what, whatever we know, our background. So you said sometimes we bring racism to worship. That's what you said in particular. What I'm asking, next question I'm asking is, do you think that racism has limited us in our worship and even in our styles of worship? Out of, of fear. Um, of course. Expound. Well, the thing that's crazy is that um, we find a lot of people who for a long time have separated. And I know that um, Melanie can agree with this, um, even though she's been around the African-American church a lot. I'm sure she's still, in, you know, she's encountered it or she's heard it. Um, as well as um, you have, Elaine. Well, what we do is that we have better church than white people. Ours is more powerful. We see God more. It's more anointed. It's, you know, it's all that we can feel God in our churches. White people, not so much. Where, as we would say, you know, uh, a Hillsong situation would kind of be like, woo, woo, woo. And they was like, oh, that was cute. But we, uh, you know, we cry, we fall out. Therefore, we had church, you know, and what people don't understand is that that right there has always separated the, the church as well. Like mm-hmm. God is one God. You know what I'm saying? He's all of our God. We we all have the same access to him every day. And, you know, though we fall out and spit and like all that kind of stuff like that, it may seem as though the God of the white church is answering their prayers faster than ours, you know, quicker than ours. And I think that sometimes in that worship encounter in church, we because we are assuming that we're having a greater encounter than someone else, you know, especially when it comes down to white and black church, that it separates us from being able, because at first, if you uh, realize it, no one was singing anything CCM in their churches before African-American churches. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to have anything to do with those kinds of mm-hmm. white songs and anything the Hillsong was doing until we found out that they grossed $90 million <laughs> seven years ago. You know, and you that, oh, the this is where... Yeah, this is where the money is. And so you get um, different songs like How Great Is Our God Now, who you've heard this 
does so many different kinds of ways, but it separates us a lot in, in the church. And it's like, now we'll pull your songs, but we don't want your encounter. Like, we're going to pull your song and use your song over here, but we're going to show you how to use your song to have a greater encounter because you guys are not having it the way that we have church. Mm-hmm. And the, right. I think the, the conversation that's missing with that, um, I'll just throw this out there, and Melody, you can pick up, is understanding cultures. Mm-hmm. Because a lot, and not all, because I, I have a hard time with this, and I'm, I'm bringing it up because y'all might be able to help me. I have a hard time because a lot of people say, you know, with African-American culture, us being from being natives of Africa, um, traditionally, we are danced, you well, traditionally because I'm not from the I'm not from the right tribe in Africa directly right now. I, I'm, I'm never <laughs> if you drop me off in Africa, we're gonna be confused. So, <laughs> so I I know how they talk about how our tribes and how we came from a culture that dances. We came from a culture that makes noise. We came from a culture that jumps around. Um, and that we dance and everything. We dance in, in funerals. The tribal culture dances in, in, in um, weddings and celebrations. It's something that they do in all areas. But what started messing me up is when I started realizing the style of maybe an uh, apostolic church that's down south that does the same type of traditional songs. And they get the kick and the acting crazy, just like the Pentecostal apostolic church does up here, this majority mm-hmm. black. And I... Mm-hmm. And, and and let's just be real, because some people say, well, they took that from our culture. Say what you want, what would you say? But if I met a young person from their style of church, and then I dropped them off at my college that I went to, Nyack College, they're going to be like, well, where the tambourines? Mm-hmm. And they're going to be Caucasian. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be like, and where are my symbols? Because, <laughs> because that... It's a culture difference there of how people are groomed and how they grow up. And I think it's interesting that we want to pick what's stronger just because it's what's relevant or relative to us i don't I, the reason i'm saying all this is because i i think that it, i think that this is why i'm having these conversations because i think it's good that um because i was one of those young people when i went to my school i'll give you a piece when i went to naya college in new york melody the concept of what they were trying to do is probably related to what your church does. I haven't been in an Iac in about almost 10 years. So I don't know what they do now. Um, <laughs> but because <laughs> of what they were trying to do, they were trying to make the school, the school's multicultural. It is, the, it is to this date the, mo- the most multicultural Christian school in the world. It's not that big, but that's how many people, cultures they try to bring in. How many diff- different diversities. And so the problem though was when we got there, worship looked the same for every worship team. So they did not bring, they wanted, what's the word? They wanted diversity, but not inclusion because they didn't bring all of that to the table. I remember asking about starting a worship praise and worship team after being at school for at least a year to two years. I didn't come in trying to be powerful. I asked, wanted to be, and they only one. they only had one black worship team. I'm like, well, there's a slew of us sitting on these bleachers in chapel three times a week. Half of them asleep because y'all not pulling their interest because we got people around here just flipping flags everywhere and they can't relate. <laughs> they don't flip flags at their church. Help them relate to the flipping flag person over here. <laughs> and so when you talk like that inclusion, um, and I took this word, I'm going to say it out loud. I took this word from my coworker, Rashman, because he was telling me, he was like, I be- he's like, I don't believe in diversity. I believe in inclusion because everybody wants to be diverse. 
And they'll take one thing of every culture. They'll take an Asian, they'll take a Hispanic, they'll take a, a African-American, they'll take a Native American person. But then after that, they will not transcend their thought process to meet the needs of all these people. They want to keep doing whatever they've been doing right here. Mm-hmm. And so the inclusion part of it, I think, was what was necessary that we really needed to experience. My school wasn't there yet. It was still, right. it's real, it still was very top white people heavy. I'll just say it like that. And they weren't there right. yet. And they still saw it one way. So we heard, I, I got all caught up on a lot of CCM music in college and would come back home to the people trying to sing CCM music and still sing a hardcore church <laughs> style. So it was really interesting. And I think that we want to we wanna welcome one thing, but we don't want to welcome all. We want to, mm-hmm. what works for our culture is what we want to welcome. We don't want to welcome God. And God can transcend the atmosphere to something unusual may happen, and it may not relate to any of what we've seen before. You know what I mean? Like, okay, I went on a tangent, but I wanted y'all to, if anything crosses your mind, do tell. (laughs) Well, a lot, I mean, a lot of what you said, I mean, I definitely can understand. Um, My salvation experience, well, let me back up and then say acknowledge, as far as how Pentecostal, Church of God in Christ, um, PAWs, you know, Churches of God, you know, that have somewhat of a Pentecostal or what we have called a Pentecostal expression. As far as its roots, um, I can't, I I don't, I can't speak for that, but I know that my, um, my experience was a non-denominational, apostolic, prophetic kind of church but my pastor was church. She came out of Church of God in Christ. So there was dancing. There was speaking in tongues. There was, you know, if the glory didn't come down every Sunday, you know, you didn't have church. You didn't please God. You know, God didn't come consume the sacrifice and just all those things. <laughs> and so, you know, seriously. And, you you know, right. You right. I even, you know, because, you know, People in general, I mean, we're all emotional beings, all of us. And there is a connection and a connectivity that I believe God wants us to have in that way in our worship experience. But I know some churches have done well at inclusion Mm -hmm. and some are still working on it. I'm not going to say they failed, but they're still working on it. I know um, there are times even at where I'm at now where, you know, nobody in there is going to be running any laps or, you know, knocking chairs over. Are there times where I really sense and feel the presence of God very strongly or the anointing very strongly? Yes, I do. Do I hear people crying out in worship and speaking in tongues? I don't, I don't hear it. You know, and sometimes I long for that. I miss that. I miss that expression. I miss Mm -hmm. that. You know, I miss that whole journey into the presence of God, and I and I miss that. And I guess the question sometimes, you know, can be is that, you know, we have to be careful that, you know, sometimes it's just a personal preference and that we're not exalting our, mm. our culture okay. or our personal preference over worshiping God, I guess, or being able to love somebody that's different from me. Um, so I've, I've found myself, you know, being challenged to 
um, love and, and understand worship from a different perspective. We get a lot of emails too. You know, sometimes our worship director is very intentional about incorporating a multicultural sound. Mm -hmm. We may not play anything like really, really, really churchy, like a, I don't know, like a, you'll never hear this. There, there's not going to be any click tracks, any shout <laughs> tracks. Okay. You know, bumping up in Transformation Church. <laughs> Got it. Not yet. I'm still, I said, when the day comes, I'm going to leap off the stage. I'm going to run all the way. I'm going to run around the whole building. <laughs> but, you know, we haven't gotten there yet. And I, and I do miss that. But um, you, you have to be intentional about it, I guess, um, that there is an inclusion, you know, that you don't just sound dry or you don't just sound like one particular way. I don't mm -hmm. know if that makes sense. I just, you know, I, listen, I mean, <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, cause I love, you know, churches like the ones that, you know, that Melanie um, goes to. And of course I, I love the encounters that, you know, we've had together um, as friends as, you know, as well. Uh, Elaine and I, yeah, I ultimately, at the end of the day, as I said before, like, I want to make sure that encounter is happening. And I think to push things culturally on people versus making sure that we are being a body of people, no matter what body we're in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, of believers who actually are there to meet God. I think that's important. Right. And I think if you push people into any other direction, it does become, uh, you know, like a forcible cultural experience versus giving people the culture of worship, meaning I just came in here That's to good. yield my worship to God and I don't like nothing else matters. And I think that's why I literally I feel like I like I praise God for having an authentic relationship with him, because no matter where I am, I feel like I'm going to pull something out of that. As long as you connected me to God and you ain't up there talking about nothing crazy, we can go. You right. know, if it's Elevation Church, if it's Transformation Church, you know, if it's Church of God of Christ or whatever the case may be, I'm trying to do whatever I can to get to God in those services. So I think that, um, you know, as you were saying, sis, it's weird if you have a Asian, African-American, Spanish, Native American person, and we don't incorporate each one of those sounds mm -hmm. in our encounters. Right. You know, like for, in the black church, it seemed as though like people were trying to get the token white person to be singing in their tenor or soprano section and be like, oh, we multicultural. But if they're not coming out there to show the way that they connect with God, whatever that sound is, then this is not multi. You want to look like right. you, but to say you're multicultural and then make somebody be like your cultural, that's not that's not multi. You know, <laughs> that's single. There's one. You know, there's one. You know, yeah. And I think that that's what you were experiencing. It's like, oh, it looks nice for optics, but it's not giving me, you know, the real encounter that, you know, like how Spanish people, because I mean, oh my goodness, if, if you've really been in a powerful service and somebody starts to sing in their language, are you serious? Like it gets really powerful in there. So <laughs> I think that we gotta, you know, we gotta be mindful of that. And I, I'm praying for, listen, when they start running that transformation church, you tell me, cause I'm getting right up there <laughs> on that. Listen, 
when I tell you I'm yeah. going to write that live stream because I know that my brother KJ is going to be like, Father, these people. Listen, they have there's been times, Jarmel, there have been times where we've been like teeter-tottering yeah. on a charismatic, just all out. I mean, so I you, feel, the do you feel the hunger. You feel mm-hmm. that people are hungry. Mm-hmm. They, they know there is more of a worship experience, but I liken it to like a, a large ship that if you if you turn things too fast, it can be mm-hmm. damaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just basically showing a homage, a respect and honor mm-hmm. to, you know, each other. And I think at the end of the day, everything that we've said is basically, you know, how are we how are we leading? How are we discipling? You know, when I think about the great uh, commission, he said to go and make disciples of all nations, of all, of, you know, that means all nations, all cultures, all backgrounds. Right. So do we have the ability to disciple, to teach people the things of God, the ways of God, whether it's worship, whether it's whatever aspect of worship it is, because all of life is worship. I know we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about music ministry because it's a relevant topic, but all of life, life is. is worship. Everything that we do and who we are is worship. So, at the end of the day, how are we leading? How are we decide? Do we have the ability? Are we equipped to disciple all nations? You know, and um, so I mean, Jesus just kept it very simple, you know, and uh, go into all the world, and uh, we know what that means. So we have to become competent um, in, in how we lead and how we how we love. And I believe that Jesus is the answer. I believe that Christ is. When our when our view of God is is correct, and we have the right view of God, and then we have then have the internal right view of ourselves, we're able to love our neighbors compassionately. We have right. that, mm-hmm. you know, the whole you know a theme that you'll hear a lot at our ministry is upward, inward, outward. And if you have a high and lofty view of God, then you have the right humility, you know, of who you are, and mm-hmm. then you're able to then love your neighbors, you know, compassionately. So. You know that in itself is you know is worship, right? And, that, and I believe that that, that is that's that's what that is going to end racism. It it will end. You know the Bible speaks about showing partiality and how it is how what a sin that that is. And you know we, we have to deal with it and, and be become competent to 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 lead such a a diverse church in this like you know last hour in time or mm-hmm, however you call mm-hmm. it we have to we have to be very diverse even into you know even beyond um you know right there's you know racism there's all kind of just c- classified communities that need ministry and we have to equip ourselves to be sensitive and to understand and to walk with grace and truth so it's cool and I think, again, just to add to that, I think that that's how worship is going to end it or how it has the ability, ability. to end mm-hmm. If you're standing there and that thing is passionate and it's real and it's authentic and God is at the center of that, people who love God are going to come together mm-hmm. and the love of God mm-hmm. is going to literally sever, break, destroy whatever those hangups that people have. Because at the end of the day, you're going to realize that I'm standing, this person is standing at the same level of God that I am. Standing mm-hmm. at the same, same. level of forgiveness, forgiveness right. that I am. Right. We come together to worship. It almost forces you to be like, how can I hate my brother and be in this encounter 
saying, I love you, I love you, Jesus, I worship and adore you, and I cannot be, and it, it's no way to do that. And I know that the love of God breaks down those barriers. It break, you know, it forces you to, you know, kind of respond to people the way that you should or you otherwise would not, you know, mm-hmm. regular. And so I, I know that coming together and but again, lastly, it it doubles back to what you were saying about how we're leading. You know what I'm saying? Wor- worship leaders have no idea, just like uh, uh, pastors, they have no idea the great level of responsibility that they have when God gives us the ability to mount those platforms. They don't they, they don't understand the half of their job is like, oh, no, let me put a fast song and a slow song, you know what I'm saying, and get something together for offering. But that stuff, release, a sound that you release, verbiage that you release, those, the understanding of God that you release through those songs and allowing people to connect with God, that's right. when he breaks their heart. And, you know, it, it's important. It, it really is all, all about how we need. Right. I want to go back to something um We've been on here a little while, but I want to I want to tap into something. Uh, Melody, you talked about worship and how how much of it is a lifestyle because worship is lifestyle. It's our living. It's our day to day principles of living. And I wanted to delve more and so into the fear aspect. So we we as worship leaders see it. We we often see it from one perspective um, because we have to transcend. And we have to help, we have to bring the people with us to transcend into the presence. But I think when it comes to the aspect of, and this is something that we may see differently. Let me say, let me say it like this. We may all see it differently because we have all experienced other places of worship where a lot of people and some of the the generations before us have very been very confined to that one style or one placement. And I want to talk about the, the breaking of the fear. We've talked about love and we've talked about that this is something that we have to carry. We have to carry love and that it is the, the when the presence of God and the love of God will break that fetter. But I'm but what I'm dealing with right here is how do we transcend to that to dealing with the fear of people being afraid to 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 move out of their culture? And I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna open up the floor to the next topic because I find that some people won't let another style or another culture of worship in because it's unfamiliar, it's unknown, and it's fear, and because you may not believe how I believe, so let me protect my belief. And that lets me know that some people aren't as sure in their faith as they say they are because they're scared. Like it's almost it's almost related to people who I'll let me pick a topic that's easy and light. None of these topics are light and easy. Um <laughs> It's almost dealing with people. Some people who believe in God drink. Some people don't. Some people who call themselves saved may have a drink, and some people don't. We and they have, they have different people have scriptures to protect their belief. But it's almost like the person doesn't want to fellowship with the person sometimes. And this is something minute because we're talking about the aspect of worship in particular. But you don't want to fellowship with the person who may drink because you're not strong where you are. And I'm not talking about people who I'm not talking about the people who were addicted to drinking and and they have a weak spot. I'm not talking about those people. Right. <laughs> that's different. I can understand protecting your weak area because you know that's the thing that might get you. But I'm right. talking about people who have now put up walls because literally because of fear. How do we transcend or break that? 
what do we do or continue to do? Well, I would say um, it still goes back to love. Um, Because, I mean, when you were talking, you know, perfect love casts out fear. Um, You know, if you're on the giving end of it, you know, you know, we know perfected means to be mature. So you have to just have an understanding of, you know, the person who may be the, you know, the weaker, like you said, weaker in their faith. You who are spiritual, mm-hmm, you restore. see somebody that's kind of overtaken, you know, you have to, in love, try to restore that person. And, um, you know, just being consistent, I think it's important of our, how we live our lives and our witness, you know, mm-hmm. before that person. And mm-hmm. some, there's just so many different scenarios. It could just be, you know, we've talked a lot about worship, you know, leading from a musical platform. You know, you may only have that one opportunity in a congregation to where you sense and you know that that is holding them back from their worship experience. Mm. And, you know, you have to just address it, um, ver- you know, verbally, of course, in the right tone in the right sensitivity and in the right spirit. And, you know, just use works of exhortation that would encourage them to, you know, come closer and, or, and to, and to embrace the experience. Um, but I, I just think, you know, all of that encompasses, you know, love, because love is going to, you know, first seek to understand. Right. That's good. Before being understood. That's you know, good. People, the old saying, you know, they need to know how much you care. They, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, particularly with a, any someone that may be of a, you know, closed uh, mind or it could be an older generation. I mean, there are multiple scenarios. But I think at the end of the day, mature love, perfect love um, is, uh, you know, going to cast out fear because, you know, they'll, they'll get there eventually, you know, we just have to encourage them. And I think that, um, you know, just to kind of add to it, I think it comes down to, uh, real recognize real, like, you know, people release their fears when they feel like they're around someone who's comfortable, who's authentic, who's real, who Mm -hmm. will embrace them, who will love them. As, you know, Melody was saying beyond, like, if you just can consistently and diligently love a person and they always feel that kind of embrace from you, it, it just, you know, real again, it recognizes real. And, it um you know, when you're being a worship leader or when you're trying to bring people in through that mode of worship, I think authenticity and people seeing that you really mean business is important. Um, and when they see that, they will say, okay, you know, this encounter is real. Someone's not forcing me to try to do anything on their thing and Mm -hmm. I'm following them into that, you know, into that space or into that encounter. And I think that, you know, that's important. Just be authentic, you know, be real. Right. I fully agree. And I'm glad that, um, you said that because I think that that's something that everybody needs to know. And I think that that's the part of um, that's the part of worship that will help end the racism. It will be the love, but it's knowing that it's real love and not this false false pretense that sometimes that we put forth in church. And I think that's that's a hard thing because um, <laughs> I think it's a hard thing because at church we try to make everything be like peachy key. And we know that's not real because people can go to church together and not like each other (laughs) and be of the same race. You know what I mean? Like, and just have personal problems with each other. 
And so I personally do feel that it's, it's necessary to be authentic and to be real. And I think when people learn to be that way with God, then they can be that way with each other. Very true. Very true. Some I people- wanted to add to that when you talk about that is um one thing um, KJ ministered in our con- congregation recently, and he said, how do you know you have the fruit of the Spirit? unless you're in a community that's going to constantly test you. So, Mm. you know, to test these things. So it's like, you know, they have to be, be dealt with. And if we respond properly, you know, both sides can reap the benefit of, of, uh, of fruit or development. Right. It's all about keeping your heart, uh, right in a right position and, uh, being open um, and having the right perspective on, and, you know, and how you respond. Right. So, yeah. So I want to say thank you. Um, y'all have, let me tell you something. (laughs) Y'all have endured tonight. (laughs) Y'all have endured. We pressed through tonight. (laughs) We did. did. Praise God. It was a pleasure. And I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation and to open this up to the world and it will be posted on SoundCloud. Um, and I, I had about 34 people come through and watch it, the live on Instagram. Like I was holding my phone while we, and I wanted to share some of their thoughts, but my Instagram started doing crazy stuff. So at the very end, right when it would kind of got good and I had a good consistent six, six, five people watching. Um, and so some people were really talking about, cause Kenneth was on there, another worship leader. And he mentioned the aspects of, of the keeping the people in mind with worship it was some of the things that we were saying and really being included in those things. Um, the people really enjoyed y'all. Uh, one of my friends, Miguel, told uh, Melody, he said, preach, green glasses, preach. <laughs> green glasses, all right. We'll talk about things, but, uh, I was like, glasses. oh, Lord. But I just want to tell y'all thank you for being a part and being open and willing to do this episode in spite of everything. And I know that this has been a long time coming. And I believe that God's going to bless in spite of all of the hurdles that we had to overcome. I do believe that God's going to get the glory out of this. And somebody will hear this and be, you know, stronger in their faith and believe God that they don't have to hate another person. Even though many people, especially in the black community, those who have suffered, um, just like people in the Jewish community. To know that there are ways to overcome and to still love. And like I said, be real with God. I think if really, if people will really be real with God, even in their anger, even in their disappointment, um, that God can can heal and then soothe and cause that um, the restoration to come to the body of Christ. Um, I'm going to ask one of you to pray out. I'm not going to tell you, you know, Melanie and Jamal, you can talk about yourself. Then we're going to end this session. <laughs> Melanie, listen, since you're the newest friend, I think you should go. The newest friend? Wait a minute. Newest friend. And Jermel, and he's horrible. Friend, and he's horrible only because I have known him longer, but that's not right. (laughs) I don't mind. That's okay. Uh, Again, I'm honored, both of you guys. Thank you, Elaine. Jermel, wonderful insight tonight. It's so good to connect with you. I've heard so many great things about your ministry and I just wanted to say that openly on the platform tonight. God bless you. Yes, yes. and I'll be following you and watching you. I gotta I'm I'm sneaking up on KJ soon. So I'll connect Please do. and help me with that. <laughs> I just want to see him in his element and watch him. Oh yeah, we would love that. Absolutely. So glad he's there. Yes. Yes. 
And Jarmel, you have a few plugins. Uh, I don't know what's coming up. Is something coming up this weekend? And you want well, to plug no, 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 in? I'm, I'm just, I'm good. Like everything is great. I, I love to talk. Um, I made some notes as the Lord's doing about some other things. I was saying that because, right, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch a few things. But one of the things that I'm praying, 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 I'll be done and be launching this year at the end of the year, along with Surrender Conference, is my book on worship. So you okay. Guys, Okay. I'm with it. I'm with it. Thank you for sharing that. We'll yeah, be looking forward to it. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'll give it to the hands of Miss Melody. Absolutely. Let's pray. Laura, we just thank you so much for this platform. Thank you for the opportunity to um, lift you up and to glorify you, Father, through this conversation. We thank you for hard conversations, being able to be had with grace, with forgiveness, with love and truth. And we thank you for those that will be listening to this broadcast. Um, we just pray, Father, that um, if you're a ministry leader listening, that um, your eyes will be open and ears will be open and heart will be open in a new way uh, to just minister in your local assembly and that God will just bless you and anoint you and equip you to uh, bring healing uh, to his body in Jesus name. Lord, we thank you so much for renewed talk radio. Uh, we thank you again for this conversation tonight, Lord, help us as leaders to, um, to walk in ultimate forgiveness, to search our hearts, Lord. Um, if there's anything, you know, that we think we're, you know, walking in humility, Lord, show us your way. You are the way, the truth and the life. We thank you that, um, you are the light of the world and that you would just continue to shine through our hearts illuminate our understanding um and we just thank you for these things in jesus name we pray amen amen, amen.